any new significant uh, steps. And uh, with that, I can uh, drop myself back and to listeners. So, yeah. Other than Finland announcing they're sending more stuff to Ukraine, except not announcing anything what they're sending because it's not been sent yet. Wait, so there was an action. Uh, Finland actually announced that they're sending yet again something to Ukraine? Uh, yes, there was a press release, um, I don't know, eight hours ago maybe? How in the world could I have missed that? Yeah, straight from the Finnish government. I can uh, send you a link in a minute if you want to. Please do. And I feel simultaneously very silly and stupid, but also very happy. Um, the, the other the, thing, the good thing to your sorry, interest... Domen, the good yeah. thing about fin- Finnish government press releases in this uh, in this regard is that essentially you can always summarize them as we're sending something... And um, at some point in time, we'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I can't believe that my Twitter feed has failed me in this regard. But uh, I suppose I will need to uh, buff up my feeds towards the Finnish government. So thanks for that. So, Axel, you basically quoted it directly. The English version on the Finnish government website says... On 5th May, the President of the Republic decided at the proposal of the government that Finland will send more defense material to Ukraine. To ensure that the assistance reaches its destination, more detailed information on the content, banner, or delivery of schedule, or, or, or of delivery or schedule of the assistance will not be provided. That's pretty much it. I think that was very wordy of them. That was very wordy of them. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, anyway, that that was what I had. So I'll drop back down to listener now. So thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> All right. Um, uh, thank you, Antti. Um, Axel, uh, Mystical Code had a question for you about an hour ago, uh, just as you dropped. Shall we take Mystical Code ahead uh, so he doesn't drop again? Sure. Sure. Sorry, gentlemen, ladies. Uh, Mystical Code, be brief. Uh. Yeah, so I had a question about the, uh, Donald mentioned that the, the Gepards had a, uh, a leopard chassis, and uh, I was wondering, um, did, did the Germans have an excess of leopard? I think 187 was the most modern uh, tank to, to send to Ukraine, or uh, are they, are, I mentioned you mentioned that earlier, I was curious what you thought. Basically, is there any chance that now that they send the Gepards, they can send some leopard ones as well? The proposal to send upgraded versions of the latest upgraded versions of the Leopard 1, which is a light battle tank and a fast one at that, which would fit very neatly into the concept of the Ukrainian mobile defense as well as counterattack, has been on the table for a number of weeks. About, I think, three and a half weeks ago, um, a proposal is supposed to have been received um, by both the um, Ministry of Economics as well as the Ministry of Defense and therefore, of course, the Security Council and the Chancellor in that regard, because I'm quite sure by now they all receive it at the same time, um, by Ryan Mattel to deliver 50 of those um, um, Leopard 1s available from Ryan Mattel out of what is previously employed third country stock, fully maintained, upgraded to the extent required by the two different configurations I understand these 50 are composed of, um, to Ukraine under a commercial contract. This goes hand in hand with the proposal of Rheinmetall to at some point in time send 35 Marders, which they had in stock, um, per the same program. These do 
uh, both exist as proposals and are on the table um, of uh, the German Chancellery to the extent that everyone knows of. So that is where the process is at this point in time. Would Ukraine like to have it? Yes. Could they, according to experts uh, such as Hans-Lothar Domerose, former general, mechanized infantry chap, highly acclaimed, very decent man, very good leader, uh, as well as other German uh, tankers who have said the same thing, could Ukrainian troops be trained up on any of these platforms quickly? The answer is yes. Highly capable, highly motivated, experienced, battle-hardened people, as well as good reservists who are trained up, could be trained up in a significantly shorter time uh, on such um, weapon systems and weapon platforms um, than usually. And therefore, there is no need to have any kind of inhibition not to provide the kit. So, uh, I, I have one more question uh, uh, as well um, about the Panzerhaubitze uh, and uh, I know uh, Germany sent seven. I think the Netherlands sent another few. Do we know how many um, can be produced uh, for Ukraine? Or, um, I was wondering what the status on Panzerhaubitze production is. Yeah, I don't think that Rheinmetall discloses its production capacity, but you, trust me that if Germany were to wish to, um, sorry, if German companies such as an integrated, large, um, very versatile and well-organized producers such as Rheinmetall would put out all the stops because the German government tells Rheinmetall, yes, we will not in any shape or form prevent you from going full speed. And if Rheinmetall were to decide upon request of the Ukrainian government to go into what I would call the three-shift war economy mode, um, the production capacity of Rheinmetall and its partners such as Krauswald, Maffei, Oekman, as well as others involved in the procedure and process of supplying um, both ordnance, ammunition, spare parts, the likes, and uh, contribute to having equipment such as the Panzerhaubitzer being produced alongside what is available in inventory, um, Germany could certainly outsupply whatever the Russians could bring to the table on the other end. There's no question. German weapon system industry is absolutely capable and they are absolutely willing. What is missing is something else. Oh, and it's not money. And it's not money that is missing. Money can always be found. Yeah, that is, uh, that's 100% sure that it can definitely be found. Thanks. Thank you for covering that, Axel. Um, Olga, I think you're next. All right. Thank you guys for the, uh, the opportunity uh, on the space. I, I love your your platform, it's awesome. I just wanted to come back to what we talked earlier about why Russians are in Russia and outside of Russia support this war. Because this is something that I've been thinking. I do have relatives in Russia that also, unfortunately, some of them are pro-Putin and uh, follow the propaganda. And honestly, to tell the truth, me and uh, lots of Ukrainians in Ukraine and outside of Ukraine, I'm outside of Ukraine, we kind of had to cut our ties and um, let, let it be because it's almost impossible to persuade them otherwise. Uh, what I'm thinking, you know, is that uh, there is something inside of uh, a Russian person that uh, we call chauvinism. They are proud. They might be poor, but they are so proud that they are big. And they often say, look at, at the size of our country. Look how big we are. And, and how, uh, you know, and look how small you are comparing to us, which is true. They are the largest country in the world. So comparing to Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Belarusia, and even Ukraine, they are 
overwhelming. And uh, the idea is that we will become stronger if we become bigger, which is also true. If they get Ukraine, they know they will become uh, stronger because they will be exploiting the resources like they did before. When there was Afghan war, there were a lot of, uh, I lived in Dnipro, Dnipro, Dnipropetrovsk at that time, uh, that uh, a lot of young uh, men were sent to Afghan and there were so many uh, dead bodies that were brought back that um, some of uh, my friends who were older than me, they were saying there is basically not many guys to marry because there were a lot of them were killed in uh, Afghanistan. And uh, uh, they would be exploiting the resources, you know, human resources, uh, economy and industry, basically everything. The only problem is that the West is not allow allowing them this time to get away. Uh, sanctions and isolations. Why Russians are trying to persuade, and unfortunately, even countries in the West, they echo Russian propaganda that such sanctions don't work, isolation shouldn't be there, and they kind of try to persuade that how will we work with Russia if we isolate them? Well, Russia was integrated in the West. Uh, they were part of the society. They were freely uh, traveling. Uh, they didn't have uh, any limits, and however, with all of that, they chose to start the war against Ukraine to basically colonize it. It's nothing else but colonization. That's what they've been doing for years. And uh, the support is uh, out there, um, unfortunately, for this war. Before it started, full scale, of course, Russia is waging the war since uh, 2014. I did not believe, like many people, we saw the uh, what was going on, what was brewing, the propaganda was very anti-Ukrainian, anti-Western, anti-American, anti basically against the, almost the whole world, uh, those who didn't support uh, their imperialistic um, uh, persuasions. Um, but uh, I did not believe that they would go full force because I believe that there will be some common sense. It would be suicide for Russia because everybody will resist. You know, Ukrainians will resist. The West also should unite, you know, and uh, say it's not okay to, to do what you do. It's illegal, it's wrong. Uh, and I thought that the war would be unpopular in Russia. And now we see that uh, it is still popular. Um, and uh, what really it, I think would be, in my opinion, as I try to kind of study this and pray about, uh, you know, about the situation against, of course, the word for victory of Ukraine, but also thoughts what could be done uh, to stop. Of course, you know, isolation, more sanctions, harshest sanctions. Uh, there should be some wake up um, because that's what would, uh, happened when uh, Soviet Union got dissolved, when uh, Russia lost uh, uh, the war in Afghanistan when uh, some other internal things started to happen. And uh, of course, you know, although that they don't want to accept that uh, a lot of Russian soldiers are killed, but at the same time, you know, they wake up, it slowly but surely will come. It just unfortunately takes longer than we want. Um, and uh, Russia doesn't want to call this, uh, uh, this invasion war. They call it uh, um, special operation because the war is kind of a negative term. And uh, I think, you know, uh, eventually, I don't know how it's going to happen. Uh, but uh, I, I do believe, I want to believe that uh, reality will, uh, will uh, 
will come to Russia. We don't know how long it will take for uh, Hitler's Germany took longer uh, than uh, probably would want to. But uh, how it will take, I really don't know. But um, anyway, just wanted to share that. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for, for the opportunity and for everything you do. Love listening even when I'm at work, you know, kind of uh, turn their earphones and uh, listen whenever I have a chance uh, because uh, what you bring, what you share uh, is, uh, is awesome, you know, because you really dig in and pull the things that um, tell us what the real situation is. And we do believe that Ukraine will win. Um, Ukraine is fighting for its life to the right to survive. And uh, as uh, um, all of us who live outside of Ukraine, you know, we, we try to do and we must continue to do everything possible to support uh, Ukraine in even small little way uh, matters. Everything matters. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Olya. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, Axel, shall we move straight on? Uh, who is next? Is yes. Chris? Mika. Isn't it Mika? Oh, oh, yeah. Who's next? Okay, I'm on next. Okay, hi, guys. Guten Abend. Ah, guten Abend. Mika, at least you've seen the news from Finland, right? You're not like auntie. Yeah, I, yeah, I said the news. But I have a couple of comment, comments, and uh, this is regarding Alex Windman. So it's really great to have him in the panel. And uh, I've been watching him, you know, earlier. And... Uh, just, just one tip. Don't call him Mr. Windman. Call him Colonel Windman. You of see? course I will. Of course I will. <laughs> you, you, you saw that hearing, you know, when he was I called saw Mr. Windman. Exactly. And actually, I'm not going to be probably awake at that, that time he's, he's here. So. Can you ask a question about the Kerasimov? Because he has been in the face-to-face -face meeting with Kerasimov. And like a little bit understand about what he saw in that person or did he see anything about that person? Because as we, as we have learned, Russia, Russia's uh, like military you know, leadership was you know, northern, eastern, western, southern district plus air forces, plus naval, plus spetsnats. There was not combined leadership at all. And, uh, and uh, battle group tactics actually came from Kerasimov himself. So I'd really like to see, and, uh, like actually not see, but hear from Alex that how he saw the Kerasimov, because he is pretty much like a central people here. Okay, thanks. Thank you very much. It's a very good question. That's exactly it. And he should, uh, um, Colonel Wittmann should have significant appreciation of it. And he should uh, be able to tell us a few more details about how to decompose the tactics and the tactical setup and the limitations of the BTGs. Rightio, I think Matthias is next. And then it's Witness, Christo, and then Tom. Yeah, thank you very much. I hope you can hear me well as I'm in my car currently. Yeah, you're good. Alles good. Alles okay. good. Vielen Dank. Uh, so, Axel, um, uh, basically, I've, I've got a question directly for you, uh, and, um, and then I got another one regarding the situation on the ground. Let me just uh, start with one comment. Um, Yehuda earlier said uh, that Germany could be redeemed and that he believed that Russia as well could be redeemed. Uh, now, if Germany could also be redeemed of its selfish pride over its earlier redemption, um, I'd be very happy and glad. 
Uh, and in that regard, uh, my question, Axel, is how uh, angry should I be? Uh, the context is the following. I served in the 154th Tank Battalion uh, in Westerbork in the in the arts about 18 years ago now. Um, I wasn't a contract soldier, just a conscript uh, extending my stay, though. Uh, and basically, my job was um, among... Uh, dozens and hundreds of other uh, soldiers there uh, to get our Leopard 2s ready to be sold to Turkey, no strings attached, not giving a fuck if they were to be used later in Syria um, against the uh, Kurds, which we um, have been supporting there. Um, and we had no problem selling several thousands of our um, modern main battle tanks. Um, and now um, and pardon my French, uh, the Chancellery is bitching about um, about outdated tanks and not sending them uh, to the Ukraine. We're bitching about outdated um, martyrs and not sending them there. And what we're sending is Gepards, cheetahs, who are not only outdated, but are the most complex and hard to train kit that we have. Uh, so, I, I don't know if it's really a question, but as um, I am angry, and I don't know how angry I should be, uh, particularly given um, that my job was to just get rid of all our tanks. Um, can you comment? Not really a question, but begging for a comment there, I guess. Uh, thing is, you and I know why, and you and I do understand what this means. Actually, <laughs> most people in Germany have not been part and parcel of the German military and the um, the change to a volunteer army or volunteer armed forces with uh, the three uh, components has distanced the German Bundeswehr even further from the public. Unfortunately, that has also therefore relinquished all the information which normally conscripts, just like you, have disseminated into the public sphere, not just the jokes about the Bundeswehr, which were prevalent, and trust me, they are prevalent in any nation to make jokes about the wait time you have, because most of your time in any kind of armed forces, whether in, whether you are in combat, actually, or whether you are just in a normal peacetime mode, is waiting. And everybody makes jokes about this. However, if you've ever maintained tanks, and if you've ever preserved them and made sure that they actually work, you know exactly how hard it is, and how much time actually goes into a lot of detail. Now, this lot of detail in the work is appreciated, but then again, selling them away for nothing and in short order, uh, without political predicament, of course, is a completely different matter than uh, at a point in time, then when it was politically expedient and easy because one wanted to get rid of equipment. Now, we still have equipment, but we're not willing to sell it to people who are actually defending freedom. Um, how angry should you be? Good question. I think I am a very stoic person, as people will have come to know me by now here. So there is a certain sense of cold rage simmering under the surface all the time, but it doesn't get me anything. Voicing frustration in a rational, logical format is the only thing we do here. That's why you and I probably talk about these matters in such form, and others, other people do as well. But there is no need in shouting about it, because shouting does not convince anyone in Germany. The only thing which convinces people yeah. is to talk to as many people as possible, to speak to your local representatives, voice your concern, 
to write letters to the respective parties. Germans can write to their Wehrbeauftragter, and you know who it is. Um, yes. you, can, uh, you can voice your concern, and you actually have to. And the German public is infamously navel-gazing still. A lot of people yeah. have woken up, but they are navel-gazing, and nobody in Europe will understand that. And I'm yeah. a fan of Eintracht Frankfurt, I have to con uh, confess it. So everybody today, this evening, looks at this game which is happening. It's a football <laughs> game. And this game matters a great deal because the club is very, um, is very famous, has a long tradition, and many people will watch it. If we could get five minutes of their attention, of everyone who watches the game tonight, to just tell them why Ukraine is worth defending and we should supply them whatever we have, that would make a big difference. And that's um. the problem. Germans like their talk shows, but they don't really take the topics in. They know who's coming. Uh, they 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 know the rhythm. It's like a like, like a kabuki theater essentially. Everybody knows what to expect, and the shifts in opinion or the the provisioning of data is incremental, and that's the problem. Sometimes yeah. it needs clear speech, and that yeah. is missing at this point in time. Yeah, thank you very much, Axel. Um, uh, just, uh, just a funny thing: my local representatives are Olaf Scholz and Annalena Baerbock. Um, so to be quite honest, there is not much point in writing them. Um, but anyways, uh, I did, I did already, <laughs> I did already. Uh, so I got a second question and that's regarding the situation on the ground. Um, obviously there's a lot of fog of war. Um, but basically I'm feeling that we are currently at the tipping point now at a couple of days ago, um, we got word that as of style was, um, was stormed. Um, now we're hearing today rumors that it was an inside job, but nonetheless, it was stormed. Um, I heard on this um, on this space uh, that over the last, let's say, 36 hours, uh, there was a large offensive um, at Izium uh, with a lot of BTGs being um, being in combat. Um, and today, um, and today we're hearing that uh, the Ukraine. Um, is not only counterattacking in Kharkiv, uh, and we're seeing firms data um, that supports uh, attacks uh, north north of Starisaltiv um, towards the border, uh, but we're also yes. hearing, uh, but we're also seeing firms data uh, closely to the west of Izium, um, which was previously marked as uh, Russian forward presence. Um, so. I, I, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that this really is the tipping point. Um, I'm a little surprised that there are no counterattacks around Kherson, um, but that might just mean that the uh, Ukrainian army decided um, that this wouldn't be a disruption zone. Um, so, uh, yeah, my, my question being is, uh, does my feeling uh, betray me here? Um, Uh, it, it's, it feels a little bit early. I, I think a lot of the analysts said um, a couple of days ago that we're about 10 to 14 days away from uh, from larger counterattacks. But um, so yeah, it feels early, but it also feels like the tipping point um, that we're currently at. Yeah, if if it only were a point, it seems to me more. And I'm just voicing what what we've collated. Uh, it seems to be more like a stretch and that there are a number of um, areas, you just quoted some of them, where the Ukrainian armed forces have fought their delay extremely well, drawn the Russian PTGs 
out into open field zones and fields of fire. Um, there's an area uh, northeast of Bavinkove, or actually more east than north northeast. Uh, there's a field of fire um, next to Kurulka, where they've suffered tremendous losses, the Russians. The same is, you just quoted the film's data, yes, there's space west of Izum, um, where they are taking heavy losses and repelling them and holding the area and always going back a little and therefore frustrating the uh, invasion force is important to wear them down, to attrit them and prepare for a counterattack. Individual small counterattack vectors are important in this, of course, but they are not a major general counteroffensive. Uh, you're almost likely quite right that um, a real counteroffensive on various front uh, lines is uh, still in the future, given the fact that some materials and some pieces of kit, ammunition and the likes are not there yet. That does not mean that Ukraine is not making progress. And you just highlighted uh, the north of Kharkiv, where the Ukrainian armed forces have continuously made significant progress in clearing out one Russian position after another. And that is despite heavy duty mining. Um, I think these weeks, these one and a half, two, three weeks at the moment are absolutely decisive. And every little um, position held or every little stretch where the Ukrainians can frustrate and wear down the other side contributes to what you described as the tipping point. They are reaching uh, a summit and uh, the Germans would call it Bergfest. Um, whether they can celebrate this, I think we will only know in a few years from now when we look back at it, where these individual anecdotal tipping points were. But the salient or the Isium Salian, as it's now being called, I think is one of the decisive battles yet again in a war in this area. And this just tells you everything you need to know. I mean, you're a tanker, so you know how territory determines the outcomes. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much, and Slava Ukraini. Can I make one point while, while we've got the other German fellow on the phone? Sure. You can all celebrate Frankfurt winning tonight, but see when that Scottish team can come and ruin your, your party in the final. I'll come and see you then, Axel. See you, Rangers. We'll deal with Leipzig tonight, push them aside, and then easy. We'll do what we've done to Frank. We'll do what we've done to Dortmund to you in the final. Embarrass you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you should look into your history of Rangers, my darling, and you will know what Eintracht Frankfurt typically does with you. Don't talk about the history yeah. of Rangers. We've won the most European ch t titles, uh, most titles in Scotland, yeah. not European titles. Sorry. My dear Scottish friend, um, let's just say that I will enjoy uh, seeing a German coach leading an English team to a Champions League title, um, even if Frankfurt is going to lose today. Frankfurt will win today, and uh, Mr. Glasner, the Austrian coach, will lead a German team to a European title too. So, thank you guys, and uh, a little bit of levity goes a long way. Now, let's go back to business. Um, we have witnessed witness in Crystal. Christina, then Ben, then Alex. Sorry, witnessed in Christopher, then etc. Witness. Okay, thank you. Um, actually, my name is Michael. And um, yeah, three points. <laughs> First, uh, concerning the nationalist feeling of uh, Russians abroad. 
um, this kind of phenomenon is quite obvious in different cultures. I mean, here we're talking about soccer. Soccer, we, we hear the same thing dwelling up from underneath. Um, patriotism is everywhere. And particularly, I've seen that among Chinese living abroad. And Chinese living abroad have a very, very strong sense for their country and a very deeply enrooted uh, patriotism. And I think it's the same thing here with the Russians. That will never go away, and we can't do anything about it. We have to deal with it. What I think is different with the Russians is their readiness to be aggressive and to exert <clears throat> brutal force. I don't know who, who of you guys have seen the uh, video on Twitter about uh, Russian tourists beating up a bartender in Spain who uh, took the side of Ukraine, and he got badly beaten up by his... Um, guests in his bar. Um, that kind of behavior, I think, is something that we have to worry about in the psychology and the psyche of the Russian people. Otherwise, this kind of patriotism, I think, is kind of normal and um, should be accepted. Second point concerning the uh, German government's um, policy stand. <clears throat> I myself was um, nominated as a member of a delegation of Ola Scholz traveling to Asia recently, last week. Um, I refused to participate on grounds that I would not go along with his policy and uh, made a point <clears throat> by not joining the delegation. That raised a lot of eyebrows, um, but it was well noted. And I think it's this kind of statement that is necessary. Um, I think Scholz is just <clears throat> not clear about his policy in general, as a foreign policy especially. Um, his party is still attached to the old means established by Willy Brandt and the Ostpolitik and um, a pacifist um, code. Um, eventually, I think they will come around. I think he's just dragging his heels, so we should be persistent. We should keep um, digging and pulling and nagging and protesting. And eventually, he will come around. I'm quite convinced. We should just not give it up. There's no reason why Germany should be considered a party to a war, even if they deliver heavy, heavy weapons. There's no such precedent. And therefore, <clears throat> I think it's just nonsense they're putting out there, and um, we should just keep digging away at that. Third point I want to make can is I just that... can I interject one thing sure uh, you had a very good in, a very good input because this is a German discussion which has not fortunately permeated into the international media that much right in Germany uh, recent, in recent days uh, floated by a number of uh, people who were very well interested in it um, the discussion the uh, Bundeskanzler, the, the Chancellor, had actually instigated, together with the Social Democratic faction in Parliament, was to have asked the German Bundestag's academic research, um, um, say, team, the Wissenschaftlicher Dienst, to um, seek clarity as to whether Germany could be construed as being party to the conflict by supplying heavy weapons. This, if, if you were to present this to anyone in the Pentagon or uh, in Whitehall, they would just simply actually jump into a lake. This is so artificial that it can only be invented in the Kafkaesque environment of uh, certain parties in Germany and in, in its parliament. Right, right. Axel's right. Um, <clears throat> but unfortunately, this is what we have to deal with. And therefore, I think we just have to chisel away um, at these obstacles. And um, eventually, although 
maybe too late, but eventually um, decisions will be made. Um, final point <clears throat> concerning the um, final end game of the war. Um, I, we all understand that uh, Ukraine wants to repel all Russian forces from the territory, um, re um, make sure of the integrity of their national territory and borders, and seek reparations from Russia. So far, so good. <clears throat> what I'm a little bit worried about is that I perceive an undercurrent there that mm, certain elements in the Ukraine won't stop there, but think that the Russian regime should be unseated and toppled. Basically, I agree. We all agree, I guess, that uh, Putin's regime is untenable. But the question to me is, is that a viable ambition for the war? And um, that could easily cross who do you the red line. Who do you refer to? It's an well, interesting part. Who do you refer to? That I, pick up, that I pick up on Twitter where, where certain elements of the Ukraine upper society are making comments that you know the, the the war shouldn't stop there the war should be widened to to attack russia in a wider sense and i think that that i just want to seek confirmation whether you think this is complete nonsense then i will ignore it on the other hand if there's something to it i think that's something that should be clearly observed because that would cross red lines you know and um, we all hope that the russian uh, the putin regime will not survive this war though we don't know um, who might succeed it, and um, the the, uh, the, um, the the persons who are nominated to stand in for Putin in case he can't attend to his office are all FSB people, and they're even probably more hawkish than he himself. So that doesn't vote for good news. <clears throat> um, uh, therefore, I think that the goal of the the war, the end game, should be clearly defined and should be communicated in that way, in a very clear fashion, nationally and, and, and internationally. So we all know what the end game looks like and what we what this war is fought for. And there should be no misunderstanding, there should be no room there for radical elements um, who understandably have other goals and want to go further. But um, I think in, you know, to preserve in the interest of the, of the whole fight, it would be better to have a clear communication strategy in this regard. That's my input. Thank you. Good point. Thank you. If you hold for a second, uh, I'll have a follow-up on this because this is one of the most important items. I think that um, the meeting which we saw, the communication after Rammstein by Secretary Austin was in that regard exceptionally good. It was concise, it was direct, it was calm and confident and clearly stated that the focus is on freeing Ukraine and freeing its territory. And the communication which we hear from the Ukrainian armed forces, from uh, President Zelensky, from his circle, uh, even from the various exponents of that government, uh, are very clear in that regard, uh, that mm -hmm. uh, Ukraine seeks nothing else than reclaiming its sovereign, ter sovereign territory. That there are former for example, representatives of that government, that there are former uh, political celebrities surrounding the government, and a couple of those who didn't make it into the government, who are actively communicating on Twitter in a different format. I recognize this. I don't think that they have any punch power. I don't think that they are a formal representation of the thinking in the inner circle of the government. And we have absolutely no 
um, I mean, not even a single reflection of that thought from the Ukrainian armed forces. They do target from time to time military installations and for the supply and logistics. And we've seen this and, and, and that is completely fine. I think we both agree. Uh, but there is no interest in them widening the scope. On the contrary, if you look at the, the Zelensky's, and this is my follow-up, maybe we should look back into that regard. This is prior to the atrocities in Bucha and Borodyanka and Irpin coming to you know the attention of, of the world. Zelensky, because it would destro- destroy Simferopol, Sevastopol, the island, the nature park, which is, uh, uh, I mean, this is world heritage. And he said that ultimately Crimea would become a negotiated settlement. That is what he said then. Of course, it's less tenable as a thought now, given what has happened in the meantime. But it is important to remind ourselves that the interest was not to destroy civil infrastructure and certainly not to um, trigger any harsh over, say, not, not to condone any overreaction. I don't think that this is part and parcel of the Zelensky government. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Um, what I, my point is really that we should be careful, and everyone here who supports the the, um, the issue should be aware that if we proclaim the war game, the war aim of the war should be to reestablish the integrity of Ukrainian borders and territories. That's a very viable aim, a very viable goal. Everybody can underwrite to that. And um, by being clear on that, also in communications, we preempt any provocative um, abuse of other comments. You know, and, and I, I'm a little bit worried that the Russians might might use any other statements to the extent that, oh, you know, that the, the, they are going after Russia itself, and that combined with Russian bashing in the media, etc., that that will lead the Russian psyche and the Russian politics and propaganda to take a sense of, oh, now we are directly attacked, you know, and then they turn the story and that, that would then be a completely different ballgame. Suddenly they are in the defensive point and then the, the, there's a goal also extending to topple the regime and all the Russians get behind there that we have a general mobilization and then suddenly we are in war. Yeah, so we don't have to play there, into that I narrative. We should I agree. be very, very clear. That's Last the, point the, here you're right. I would like to ask is this is this um, this um, uh, session with Windman tonight? Is that recorded anywhere? Because I think I can't make it. But will there be a recording? Can I yes. listen? Yes, every space okay. is recorded, and uh, you can typically. What happens when the space ends? Uh, depending on how it goes, either Twitter crashes it, which happens from time to time. We had it today yet again. Or after latest twenty-four hours, when a space has run its course. Uh, you will find it uh, on either on the Walter Report. So if you go uh, the top left corner, you can see the uh, WR, Walter Report. If right. you follow this account on Twitter, yes. you can then pick Thank it up. You. Or if we have a temporary space, just like we had earlier this afternoon when Ferlaine stepped up to the plate because we couldn't switch for technical issues the co-hosting setup, then you'll find it under Ferlaine's account. But Walter, Walter Report, Ferlaine, if you uh, touch base there, you will see the respective recordings. And I would expect the water report account when it runs its course sometime during tomorrow that you can find the respective recording. We may also this time around, because we tried supplying this so far, we may also put out a clipping of that interview or it's not an interview. It's a panel session, essentially. We may be able to get a clipping out on time so that uh, during the 
uh, European morning hours, we can already uh, give people a chance to uh, have a listen. Okay. Otherwise, I DM you directly, and we can. Sure, that. of course. With okay, pleasure. Thank you, guys. You're very welcome. Slava All the best. Okay. Slava. Domen, who's next? I believe Nina might have. No, sorry, Christopher. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Christopher. You're in a you're in a weird corner of my screen, so I keep forgetting you, Christopher. It's all right. Um, so I have a real quick question on like, is there any like war update that you guys can give, or have you already? guys gave one in the past hour or so also how is y'all's days so far axel i literally didn't understand a word i i was just wondering whether it's my headset or hello so i have two questions one have you guys given like a general war update like all over ukraine and or news update on ukraine today in the past hour and also uh, how's y'all's day so far well, the update is um, an update on the uh, both the strategic and tactical situation. I would look forward to sometime in the next one and a half to two hours. Um, we'll be preparing one, and whether it is Craig, uh, OSINT, uh, Imperius, or Language Learner, or uh, say <laughs> a joint action of all of them together, uh, we will be uh, glad to provide it. But we haven't done one, uh, at least to my knowledge, and uh, Dolman, because I mean I was not always present during today. Um, but um, yeah, other than that, uh, so far, the, the indication is that this day is not a bad day for Ukraine so far. On the contrary, they're holding on and they're uh, prosecuting their uh, tactics and strategy quite well. But um, um, a full update, you would have to wait for a little while. Thank you, Axel. Um, I think Nina, then Ben, then Luis, then uh, Kovtelik. Nina? Hello. Uh, what I, I have something to ask you and something to tell you. And uh, it would take a couple of minutes, so I don't know if this is the right moment now for you. So, is it? Give us a quick summary first, and then we can go into detail. Okay. How about it? Okay. A uh, quick summary is that uh, I don't know who knows, but uh, I am a photographer and I'm in a project with uh, the Finnish broadcasting company, uh, like the Finnish uh, TV Ule, uh, uh, making a documentary about. Uh, about uh, refugees in Finland and uh, the war in Ukraine uh, seen from Finland and also uh, from other countries, uh, meaning that what I have learned from you guys and uh, from Water Report. Uh, uh, so uh, I have contacted uh, a Ukrainian guy called uh, we have been filming uh, refugees today, all day and uh, earlier, and we will continue. But uh, my, what I want to ask you uh, is that uh, I have been in contact with Sergei Mohov, who is a Ukrainian guy living in uh, Helsinki. Uh, and uh, uh, he, he has been here for five years and he is doing a lot from Finland uh, helping uh, Ukraine. And uh, we are going to film on Monday uh, at Ule. Uh, uh, if you guys agree about this, uh, uh, Sergei is finding somebody from the military he knows in Ukraine who would come online here in this space. And uh, uh, I am, I would, uh, make an interview and of course everybody who wants to ask him questions would give more 
depth to the interview. And uh, I don't know if it's uh, Walter who is <clears throat> uh, responsible for making the decisions who can come and do this because uh, it should be on the 10th on Tuesday at six o'clock finish time, uh, which I don't know. I have to find out what it's in, in your time. Um, uh, to connect with these uh, people and you. So, uh, yeah, that was in, in as short as I could. And you can ask me now if, if you want. Well, maybe talking to Walter might be a good idea, seeing that uh, maybe you want more Ukrainians rather than random people from around Europe uh, to, to talk uh, in your documentary. Um, I think Ferlaine did mention something that you mentioned to her about this. Uh, it, it sounded vaguely familiar, but I wasn't necessarily uh, paying attention to everything. I'm sorry, Nina. Um, not not paying attention to you now, obviously, but not, not paying attention necessarily previously when Ferlaine might have brought it up. Um, or maybe someone else. But Walter, if you're uh, if you're listening, um, do you want to get in touch with Nina about her documentary? I'm sure he is listening. He might just be away from uh, the correct phone to be able to respond at the moment. Okay. Yeah, I I have been messaging with Ferlaine, and I have got connections from her also. And yeah, what I just was thinking that it would be fantastic to have uh, Oscar also and Ferlaine and Walter, of course. Uh, if this would be could be arranged, I'm not talking about taking a lot of space and time, but uh, uh, yeah, but this would be the tenth at six o'clock. Uh, so if it's possible, I would be really uh, happy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is you know be better than talking to me about it. Uh, I, I think it's best if you take it straight to uh, them respectively. Uh, I was right that Ferlaine was the one mentioning something about it then. That's good. I'm sure maybe uh, Ferlaine might be the sort of person who can put you in touch with someone in the Ukrainian military as well, uh, which might be a good idea, right? Um, but yeah, talk to talk to Ferlaine and Walter, I guess, is the best uh, way to go about all of this. Uh, I already talked about this with Ferlaine and uh, uh, asked her if she can uh, participate. And I, I think that... Uh, I hope that she is available at that time. And of course, I have also been in contact with uh, Oscar, but I didn't get any answer from her uh, since uh, the day before yesterday. And I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, to be honest, a little bit worried, but uh, maybe somebody has uh, heard about her. And uh, yeah, we can fix the who is who we are going to interview. But this is, of course, a uh, question of if Walter uh, agrees about this. Okay, uh, Walter's connecting right now with the other phone. Hi, Walter. If you heard the question, uh, please go ahead. Yeah, so I DM'd Serhii Mwofo. Nina requested, so I still wait for some uh, reply from him. And uh, pretty much it. Okay, I have talked to, to Sergei Mohov today, and uh, he's, he's uh, coming, he's on board. But uh, yeah, he just came from work not very long time ago maybe he will answer later yeah so Walter uh, if you want to be uh, you know talking to Nina and her uh, documentary or doc the documentary that she's doing with Ule uh, maybe that's best done between the two of you directly I guess rather than uh, discussing it here absolutely uh, absolutely uh, sorry absolutely uh, Walter can I send you like a, a message on on uh, 
on this paste or direct message or or should I uh, send it on some other media? No, just DM me here. Uh, I DM you, Nina. So let's uh, take it to DMs. Great. Thank you. Perfect. Fantastic. Uh, thank you, Nina. Hey, thank hey you Domer, can I comment? Yeah, 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 Mika, go ahead. Okay, okay. Uh, so Nina is using, you know, Finnish taxpayers' money for this document. So happy to help always, you know, with our taxes. But to be honest, you know, we need to send more weapon aid for, the, for Ukraine. Should I comment this or not? Up uh, to you. No, 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 thanks. No, thanks. We need to focus on you. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's go. Uh, let's go back to Ukraine. I, I think Ben was there, then Duish, then, then Alex. Uh, and Nina Walter, you, you're going to talk in DMs anyway. And that'll be, that'll be for the best for everyone. Uh, ben? Yeah, thanks. Um, I have a question, I guess, mostly for Axel. Um, I think Axel uh, will be back in a minute. When oh, okay, okay. Give, and, and give me a... Maybe then. Awesome. You just have to step away for a second. Uh, Luis? There is it. I also wanted to talk or hear from, from Axel. So <laughs> yeah, we are on the, on the same train. Long and uh, and, and not, nobody got to talk to Axel. And everybody just wants Axel. And I'm, I yeah, but but, right but I but I can add a comment uh, to Mika. Mika uh, was the one talking right now to, to Nina. Um, I, I think that was not kind of you. <laughs> so, uh, because uh, if uh, there is no interview or no documentaries about this situation in Ukraine, you cannot mobilize a lot of people to donate to Ukraine. So, uh, of I course, think we can finish humor, uh, Luis. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely Finnish humor, by the way. So, it's just. Uh... It's a little bit uh, sarcasm as well. So, sorry to say, we can ha- handle ourselves. Yeah, no, it's good. Luis, it just, I think it's just what happens when uh, you move to Germany and stay there for too long. 33 years, yes. Yeah, see, exactly. It, it ruined you, didn't it? Um, Humor wise, anyway. All right. Dominic, can I comment? I'm in Germany as well. Yeah, but have you been there for 33 years? 20 years. Maybe it just takes more than 20 years to, uh, you know, completely deprive you of the ability to uh, understand humor. Um, okay, now, or... okay, now. I, I can only say this. Uh, after 30 years, it's all over. It's, yeah, it's over. Okay, that's how long it takes to simulate then. Okay, good to know. Right, uh, moving off of this meta discussion, Cartelli. Thank you. Yeah, there was a question earlier about Kherson, and um, I do not have any update, but I saw an interesting photo in one of Telegram channels. There were falls. I think in the background there was 155 Hovitzer, and there were a bunch of folks telling, hey, Kherson, we are coming. Um, so, and also earlier this morning, I think Valuzhny, oh, is his name Zaluzhny or Valuzhny? Uh, I think it's Valery Zaluzhny. Valery Zaluzhny, right. Okay, he was talking to General Miller, who is, I believe, chief of staff of, uh, I, I think that's highest military rank is within U.S. I think he's U.S. general, but um, chief of staff of NATO. or um, But the, the highest ranking uh, military in, uh, in either U.S. or NATO. Uh, and uh, who are we talking about, that... Alex? What is that? Sorry, I just came uh, came back and he said the highest ranking general in, in NATO. 
Yes, this morning Valery Zaluzny had a conversation with General Miller. I am trying to... Milly. Uh, Milly, sorry. Milly, yeah. Who is he? He's the head of the Joint Joint Chiefs. Okay, but that's top military, right? Well, it's the, if you so like, it's the top advisory board to the president. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, apparently, uh, and this was in the news that uh, Zaluzhny told him that uh, Ukrainians are beginning counteroffensive in Izium uh, and, uh, and Kharkiv, which, um, yeah, so... Uh, and the reason I think it's important is because be- before everybody else is starting to kind of um, reporting on it, they are waiting for top uh, top people to announce it. So I think there will be more news coming to that end. Uh, and uh, um, I think everybody is waiting for it. Uh, it could mark. Uh, we may not be quite there yet, and uh, but that's kind of uh, what I read this morning uh it could be it could be marking um a turn in this whole war um coming soon hopefully before 9th of may that would be an uh, awesome present to vladimir putin so yeah i think we should be generally we should be less focused on the symbology of uh the russian regime I agree. We should only be focused on one thing: helping no, I Ukraine just, win the uh, war. Yeah, there, there is still this wish to stick it um, to to him. <laughs> anyway, no, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, like, um, we should be focused on end results, not not some uh, magic dates. Thank you, Alex. Domen, who was next? All right. So we had Ben and Luis, who both have questions for you in that order, and then we go back to Mika. Ben. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Axel, I've got something pretty humiliating to ask. Uh, for me. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Always ready to humiliate the French, aren't you? Um, in in a what can I say democratically challenged country like mine, how would you? Um, Why are you not you... from Belgium? Oh, I wish I was from Belgium. <laughs> are you kidding? They have the best best national anthem and the best best food ever. Like, what's not to like about Belgium? Unfortunately, no. I am from France. And there, yeah. How do you how do you get in contact with like your the people you elect in France, considering that none of them matter? They literally have no sway on foreign affairs or or military affairs. And and uh, while I'm extremely well connected, as you might imagine, I have no way of reaching the the president. So, how like how do who do I write to to have any impact? And maybe you don't know that, or maybe you don't want to bore the 512 people. No, I'm so sorry I missed it. You take your tractor, Ben, you drive it down, you drive it down Champs d'Elysée, you put a big placard on it. That, that's how you do that in France, right? Oh, I am. This is unfair, Dolman. This is perfectly fair. Um, I'll, I'll try to get a tractor as soon as possible. Well, thank you. Ben, <laughs> wait a second. I think what matters in France, just as well as in any other country, is to actually talk both to your local politicians, to your uh, mayor, to your mayor, uh, to you have to talk to the people in the department and the bureaucracy. 
You have to convince people on local level just as much as on central level. Yes, we all appreciate that uh, La Grande Nation is more centralized and 